All right, praise the Lord. Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1. And the whole chapter is only 10 verses, so I'm going to read the whole chapter. Don't get scared. Not too bad. Verse 1, it says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we not need not to say anything, for they themselves report concerning, uh, concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. Lord, I pray for your anointing on this word, Lord God, that you would open up uh, this letter, Lord, to these young believers, Lord. In your name we pray that you would open up every heart, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to move on this church uh, to be the kind of examples this church is, Lord. And uh, we ask all these things in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be teaching uh, through the book of Thessalonians. And uh, this is a little different kind of preaching, um, just in case you're not familiar with different styles of preaching. Um, typically, um, a lot of times the style that we have is a style that I've employed since I've been here, and that's called topical uh, sermons. And topical sermons, uh, when you preach a topical sermon, one of the advantages of, of a topical sermon is you can literally... Pick any topic you want to preach on. And so you just randomly, you know, through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, you just look for a topic and then you expound that particular topic through the scriptures. How many are familiar with what I'm talking about here? And uh, one of the advantages is, like I said, literally the Holy Spirit can lead you anywhere. One of the disadvantages of it is, People don't necessarily know the Bible as well because you don't, you're not able to teach the background of the books. You're not able to teach as much of the information as you do with expository teaching 
which uh, expository teaching just simply means you're going verse by verse and you're picking up where you left off the previous week. So I'm going to try this for about four weeks. Um, it's my preference because honestly, that's how I study. Uh, how many study that way, verse by verse? You go through the books, you build on what you previously studied on. So I generally study um, the expository way I have my whole life. And then uh, I randomly, like I said, do topical sermons, which means I may be in a totally different part of the book. So I'm going to go for the next four weeks, which will be the 28th, the 5th, the 12th, and the 19th through Thessalonians. And then um, on the 26th, Christmas, I'll have a Christmas message, which will be back to my normal uh, topical message. So we'll have a Christmas message in there on the 26th. So I want to go through Thessalonians. And Thessalonians is a very important book. Uh, because it's so early in um, the ministry of Paul. Paul, if you're not familiar with Paul, he was actually a Pharisee. And so when Jesus was walking the earth, Jesus uh, died at approximately 33 years of age when he was crucified and he was resurrected and showed proof to over 500 people that he was the Messiah because he was raised from the dead. And Paul, actually when Jesus was alive was a major opponent of what Jesus was teaching and did not realize that Jesus was the Messiah. And so Paul is actually almost exactly the same age as Christ. So when Christ was 33 years old, Paul was around the same age. And when Jesus Christ died and was crucified and then rose and, and, there, and there was the resurrection and then all of a sudden everywhere all over uh, the whole area I mean everybody was excited because everybody knew without a doubt proof was all over the place that Jesus was resurrected and he was ministering to people in his glorified body and there became an opponent who rose up in the church around the church and his name was Saul and I'm just giving you some background here. Some of you say, man, I know this, but how many know that we need to know the word of God better? We need to be taught. And so Saul is driving on his, he's riding on his way to Damascus in Syria. And on his way, he has a dramatic conversion. And in this conversion, he actually sees a vision of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? How many know that Saul, who became Paul, was the greatest opponent of the early church? He had papers from Jerusalem and his group of Pharisees, which he was a member of. How many remember when Jesus was walking on the earth, he kept saying, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't do like the Pharisees do. Don't put yourself in a high position like the Pharisees. Don't look down on normal people like the Pharisees. Don't choose the best seats like the Pharisees. Don't do all the things the Pharisees are doing. Well, Paul said himself he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was well-educated. One of the most well-educated Pharisees in the world at that time was Paul, who was formerly Saul the persecutor. But Jesus had, he had a vision and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And I love the background music really, um, how many think that really adds to my message when I got a little background music? I like it. It makes me seem more gentle and, all right, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have let it go. <laughs> so Paul, literally the biggest opponent of the church 
now is converted and it's so shocking to the early church because they're preaching the gospel about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he's the Messiah and believe in him and you'll be saved. And while they're doing that, guess who's arresting them, searching their homes, locking them up in prison, and is part of the first martyrdom of somebody in the church, which was Stephen, and it's this guy, Saul, who becomes Paul, and the church just didn't believe it. They were like, we're so scared to even have him in our midst because he's the biggest persecutor in the church, but then Paul changes instantly. How many know this is a real um, witness to the who Jesus Christ is as the Messiah when the greatest opponent becomes saved. And so here is Paul now becomes the greatest preacher of the gospel that he once tried to destroy. And how many know over 70% of the New Testament is written by this man Paul? God actually takes him, and the Bible says in Galatians, Paul's giving his own testimony, and he says for three years, I was, um, when he first got converted, he was in Damascus and there was an assassination attempt because the Pharisees didn't like that he was serving Christ now. So he had to get out of town and it says he escaped to a place called Arabia. He went and hid out for about three years and get this, Paul said that the Lord himself instructed him on the scriptures. He was instructed the gospel by Jesus Christ himself for three years. And for a total of 14 years, Paul goes back to Damascus, he's living for Christ, and it says in that area of uh, Damascus, Paul is preaching the gospel and people are getting saved. Gentiles are coming to the Lord. And then Paul um, begins going on what's called the first missionary journey. You say, well, wait a minute, Chad, preach a little bit. I'm telling you, this is a different kind of preaching. We're going to learn the Bible. Hallelujah. How many want to learn? much as you can about the Bible. So Paul goes, and um, and in Acts 13, it says Paul is separated. Um, In fact, the Bible says that at the church of Antioch, they said, separate into uh, me, Paul and Barnabas, and send them uh, out to do the work of an apostle. They're going to send them from Antioch. So Paul goes on his first missionary journey. And on his first missionary journey, this is about 47 A.D. Now, Jesus Christ died and was resurrected in about 33 A.D. So how many years is that? About 14 years, right? From 33 to 47, is my math right? That should be 14 years, is that right? Yeah, right around 47, Paul goes on his first missionary journey. So he goes up near the area where he was born. He was born around Syria, Lebanon, there in Tarsus. And some of you know your maps a little bit, and he goes up to that area, and then Paul begins to go what's on the first, called the first missionary journey. And so he and Barnabas and Mark, they travel, they go to a place called Galatia. Galatia is actually the nation of Turkey. How many know that? Very fitting, you know, this is Thanksgiving week, and I'm preaching about Turkey here. All right? Okay. How relevant am I? Am I? Wow. So he's, he's up through the area of Turkey, down in southern Turkey, and he goes through about five cities there. And uh, Pisidian Antioch is one city, Derby, uh, Lystra, Iconium. And he goes through this whole first missionary journey. And uh, Paul is preaching the gospel. And get this, he goes to the synagogue first and Gentiles everywhere are being saved. And so he, he gets done with this journey, comes back to the church. And there's a major, major disturbance. 
Everybody says, what is Paul doing? Why is he winning the Gentiles? Why are the Gentiles coming to Christ? We need to make them Jewish people. We need to make them live by the law and become Jewish people religiously. And Paul is not doing that. He's telling them the gospel by grace and by faith alone. And so Paul comes back and there's a major controversy in the church. So in Acts 15, we have what's called the Council of Jerusalem. Council of Jerusalem is a council where everybody came together and said, is what Paul's doing right or is what Paul's doing wrong? And so the book of Galatians is the earliest letter to any of the churches. The book of Galatians comes out of that council where they all agreed that we don't have to live by the law, we live by grace alone. Faith and grace alone. And so Paul writes his earliest letter in 47, which is only 14 years after the resurrection of Christ. But this is why this letter becomes so important. Because then Paul goes on his second missionary journey. And on a second missionary journey, he goes back to those churches, goes up to the city of Troy, crosses over from the nation of Turkey and the continent of Asia, and he goes into Europe. When he goes into Europe, he goes to Philippi. How many know the story of Philippi? Paul is preaching the gospel. He's put in stocks. He's put in jail. He's thrown into a prison, um, ends up being treated um, ridiculously. In fact, he says it's unusually bad how he was treated in Philippi. He leaves Philippi and goes to this town. And Thessalonica is the name of the town. And the scripture here says that this letter is written to the Thessalonians. And so the Thessalonians in the city of Thessalonica, in fact, if you know, in fact, this is very interesting because Paul goes to this city, right? And when he goes to the city, it says that the same Jewish people, you know, the, all of the Orthodox Jews were very upset with Paul on the first missionary journey. So when he goes on the second missionary journey, things don't change. He goes to Philippi, they're upset with him again. He goes to Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica is very relevant because Thessalonica is a city about the size of Evansville, about 200,000 people. So you kind of get the idea of the flow of that city and how busy it can be in some of its big areas. How many have ever seen a big crowd at the Ford Center? Well, this is a place that is actually sitting on one of the biggest water ports that there is um, on that coast. In fact, uh, Corinth, uh, Ephesus are next to each other, and then you go up into the Gulf of um, Thermai, which is also the Gulf of Macedon. It's a warm water port, and more things get shipped in that port than almost anywhere, and it's got a giant highway that goes all the way to Rome. In fact, it's called the Via Ignatia, which is the biggest highway system in that time. The Romans built it to go all the way to Rome. So very important city. Big capital city of the, of the nation of Macedonia, or the nation of Macedonia. This is their capital city in Greece, and it's still there today called Thessalonica. And it's got beautiful beaches, and here comes Paul in town. And when Paul comes in town, Paul is having success. In fact, it says that many of the Jews turned to Christ. They realized that he was the Messiah. In fact, you'll see the account of what happened in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17. And I'll read it. It says, When Paul and his companions passed through Amphipolis 
and Apollonia. They go through two cities after they leave Philippi, and there's no record of ministry there. Then they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue on three Sabbath days. He reasoned with them in the synagogue from the Scriptures. Now, what Scriptures is he reasoning them with them with? The Old Testament, because he's actually in the process of writing the epistles to the church, right? No gospels have been written yet. And it says, explaining and proving from the scriptures, the Old Testament, that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus that I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. You see what Paul's preaching that's making them so mad? He's reasoning from the scriptures. This is what Jesus Christ taught him for three years. I'm the Messiah from the Old Testament. From the beginning to the end, what I taught last week from beginning to end is what Paul is preaching. I'm the Messiah from the beginning of time. The only way to heaven, the only way to God, the only way. Um, In fact, he says at the end here, to survive the wrath that is to come. And so it says, some of the Jews were persuaded. And see, that's where the problem begins. Some of the Jews were persuaded. Well, what do you think happened with the ones that weren't persuaded? They were pretty mad. It says, they joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few of the prominent women in the city. Okay, I want you to imagine now a very deeply deeply rooted religious group in Evansville. 150,000, I think, is the population in Evansville. And I want you to imagine Paul shows up in the city. He has a giant crowd at the Ford Center. And Paul is preaching the gospel and lots of our city leaders are coming to the Lord. Many of the God-fearing pagans are coming to the Lord. You know what a pagan is, just to make it understand our modern time, what a pagan is? They were the ones that were previously partying in Evansville. They were drinking, they were smoking weed, all right? You said, oh, man, he said weed. They were doing that. They were partying. They were in the homosexual lifestyle in the city. They were... You know, they were having um, affairs, they were committing adultery, they were committing fornication. How do I know this? Because these lists exist in the New Testament of everything the pagans were doing around them. So what do you think happens when many of the prominent people in the city of Thessalonica have now given their life to Jesus Christ? There is an uproar. And praise God, I hope we can be like the city of Thessalonica where we're preaching the gospel the way Paul did, where we're not afraid to talk about what the pagans are doing and how God is delivering us from every sin. Listen to what Paul's preaching. And for this reason, oh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> but it says he persuaded. So if you want to look and you want to write it in your notes, who is the, the scripture says that it's written to the church of the Thessalonians. Church means the called out ones. He said, well, man, it must have been the building on the corner. You know, the, the building that was in Thessalonica. No, it wasn't the building on the corner in Thessalonica. It was this group of Jews that were persuaded to trust Christ. They joined Paul and Silas and a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So do you understand who the church is in Thessalonica? 
It's this large group of people that used to party, they used to drink, they used to run around, they used to do all this stuff, and now what are they doing? He's going to tell us in a minute. It says, we give, in fact, he says, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Do you notice that only 14 years after Jesus Christ was resurrected, Paul has the audacity to write a letter where he calls Jesus Christ the Lord? We, we gloss over that. We gloss over that as a minor thing, but... A lot of you don't know that when Paul wrote this, this was a big deal. Because the biggest arguments in that day, 14 years after the resurrection of Christ, was is he God or is he just a normal man? And because the evidence was so great that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, and you say, man, that happens all the time. You know how we hear that in America? And we think that's just like a common thing. Oh, I've heard that my whole life. Jesus resurrected from the dead. You know, it's one of the most provable facts in history that he was crucified publicly in front of people as a spectacle. And then three days later, 500 people seen him resurrected in a glorified body, eating meals with them, and ministering to everybody in the city. Not only that, when he was resurrected, how many know that there were bodies that were literally being resurrected out of graveyards when he was resurrected? One of the greatest um, thing, it's the greatest event that's ever happened in history was 2,000 years ago. He was raised from the dead, and 14 years later, an early letter, Paul is clearly saying that he is the Lord, which means he's God. Somebody said, well, I don't know about this Trinity thing. And I just don't know if they believed that back then. It was something somebody made up. Well, Paul is saying he is God in this letter, okay? Very important to know that. Then he says, we give, this is verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly. We're constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And boy, we just pass right through that. We pass right through that, but do you know that this letter, in fact, this is, um, the title of my message is The Return Mail. And you say, well, man, that's not a big deal. You took a magic marker and just wrote it on a letter. But you know, this is a big deal. Because this letter, who's that return address on there? Margie, can you see that? The Apostle Paul. Yeah. I've got a letter here to our church. What's that say? Apostle Paul, right? From the Apostle Paul, Tarsus, right? Cilicia, to the Thessalonian church, Thessalonica, Greece is who it's written to. But how many know this is written to us? And you say, Pastor Chad, don't come down here. You're making me really nervous. But how many know we're supposed to read this letter and it's supposed to apply to all of God's churches? All those who have been called by the living God to live this life. That letter is written to us. And so I've got a letter from the Apostle Paul and I open it up and you know what I find? Oh, wow. 
Oh, that's Indiana Department of Revenue. Oh, that's. I grabbed my wife's letter there. And you might need that, actually. But um, he says, in fact, we're supposed to imitate. He loved this church. And you say, well, what's that mean? What's he telling us? He says, I give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in my prayers. And when I hear that, I can't pass it over. Because this letter was written to me. The letter was written to our church. And if we're going to be what God's called us to be, we've got to realize we're the called out ones. We're not a building. We're not a building on the corner of Delaware and 12th Avenue. We're called out people in this town called to live the life that Paul's living. So when I hear he thanks God for all of you, constantly mentioning you in his prayers. What do you think Paul was doing in his prayer time? You say, well, man, Apostle Paul should do that. He was a great man, you know. I'm glad he did that and wish we had more like him. Man, I do too. I wish I was more like him. You say, you're you're right. You'd be a better pastor. But I wish you were more like him. You know how few problems we would have in the church in Evansville, the called out ones, if we were calling out everybody's name every day? Thanks to God for all of you. And you say, man, I just can't thank God for that person. Should I stop right now? I got quiet. I want you to think about it. Who can you not call their name out and thank God for them? You say, well, Paul didn't have any stinkers like this in Thessalonica. They probably were all, they were pagans. They were all new Christians. He was only there for three Sabbath days. All right, they were new in the Lord, and he told them in Acts when he was in Thessalonica that um, persecution is going to come when I leave. Expect it. They're going to come after you when I leave. So as soon as he left, and, and remember, he didn't just preach a sermon, go eat at Cracker Barrel, and then go to the next town. No, he got out of prison in Philippi where he got beaten, came to Thessalonica, got ran out of town because they got some bad characters, the Bible said, together, and they caused a riot to embarrass Paul and hinder his work. And then when he left, they badmouthed Paul and gave negative things about Paul when he left. And so Paul had to run to Berea, right? He goes to Berea and he preaches to the Jews there and they were different in Berea. He said, be like the Bereans because they received Jesus Christ as Messiah and the Jews actually accepted him there. But then he had to leave Berea because those same Jews from Thessalonica chased him to Berea. So he had to run out of Berea and he had to go down to Athens. All right. And then uh, Silas, who is Silvanus, that's his Roman name. Uh, Paul and Peter call him Silvanus by his Roman name. Luke always uses the more casual name, calls him Silas, if you look through the Bible. But he goes down to Athens. They join him there. Paul says, hey, Timothy, you're kind of the new guy. He met, he picked up Timothy on his way through his first missionary trip. He said, Timothy, go back to Thessalonica because if they, basically if they see me, uh, they're going to come after me. So you go back and see how they're doing. Paul goes down to Corinth and actually writes this letter from Corinth after Timothy tells them how they're doing. So do you want to know how they were doing in Thessalonica? These are pagans, 
right? These are people that were on the party scene, right? And they all of a sudden come to the Lord and they say, you know what? We're not living that life anymore. We're not drinking. We're not partying. We're not smoking weed. We're not out committing adultery. We're not out fornicating. We're not out having homosexual relationships. And you say, well, that only happens now. That's a new thing. No. They had the same problems back then that they have now. Do you know that they had trouble even with their statues? They had statues that looked like a woman, then you got closer to look like a man. They really had a lot of identity issues like we do today. Homosexuality was rampant and very popular in that day. Paul was saying they came out of that lifestyle. Now they're living for the Lord and the city is just not happy about it. So they chased Paul. Timothy goes back and he says... We thank God for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. So here is Paul. He knows exactly how many people in Thessalonica turned from their pagan lifestyle and came to Christ. And he's mentioned them every day in his prayers continually because he knows prayer affects these people's walks. And he's calling all their names out. Church, we pray every Tuesday and every Thursday. Are we calling out? the names of the people in this church and saying, we thank God for every person in the church and we're constantly praying for each one. And then he sends Timothy back and in chapter 3 of Thessalonians, Timothy comes back with a report. And he said, Paul, you're going to like this. He said, they're still holding on to Christ. They're being persecuted and they're still holding on to Christ, and you say, man, that's how it should be, that's how it is, that's how we are. But man, I man, I got this letter in the mail today. Paul sent this letter to our church. And see, you know, the early church, they were, you know, their persecution was, um, they found out they was meeting, they were meeting at Jason's house. That's his name. And when they found out Paul was meeting at Jason's house, they arrested Jason, looking for Paul. They snuck Paul out of town. Jason got thrown before the magistrate, was threatened. They had to make, they had to pay a bond to get him out. They had to bond him out of jail. Okay. And here we are getting the same letter. And we're like, you know, they hurt my feelings at work. They made fun of me because I'm a Christian. And you know what? I'm mad because I'm mad because they made me wear a mask. And I'm mad because they don't wear masks. And I'm mad because they want a vaccine. And, and I'm mad because they do want a vaccine or they don't want a vaccine or, or it's against my constitutional rights. And, and, and let me tell you something. The churches right now, look at every poll. Churches have lost like 50% of the people that are attending church. One third, uh, have quit going completely. They don't know, they don't even know what happened to them. Um, we're losing, um, people attending and being faithful to church because of COVID. And they're being thrown into, um, theaters with live animals in the early church. All right. They're like, um, they're being thrown in with wild beasts. For entertainment because they're Christians and they're not denying Christ and they're not um, 
not associating with the church. They're just still going to church and they're still claiming Christ. And they're, they're being, they were being martyred in front of their families. Their families, Peter's wife was martyred right after he was martyred. And see, we're getting all these letters that are coming to our church, right? And Paul was happy with this church because in the face of persecution, they didn't back down. They stayed faithful. They stayed supportive of their leaders. They were very solid in their faith. And church, I'm not trying to be mean. It's challenging me and it should challenge you. When we get these letters, it should be personal. And we should say to ourselves, you know what? Yeah, there's COVID. Yeah, there's COVID going around. And man, I could, I could just avoid church completely. I could avoid the gathering of ourselves together. But when I read these letters and I see the heroes in these letters, and I see Thessalonica and I see how happy Paul was about the Thessalonians, I mean, it inspires me. It makes me say to myself, you know what, I'm not backing down from anything. Church, you know how quickly, how quickly we argued about COVID? Do you know how quickly we did that? You know how quickly we said, oh, he believes in masks. Or, oh, he doesn't believe in masks. You say, well, Pastor Chad, I can't understand how you're saying this. Are you saying you're for or you're against? Do you you realize that's what we're doing now? We're trying to figure out if I'm for or I'm against. And all of a sudden, this issue is much bigger than the gospel of Jesus Christ and attending church and being faithful to the cause and giving your life for Christ. And all of a sudden, we're arguing about a stupid vaccine instead of being faithful like these people in 50 AD who were faithful to Christ in the face of losing their own death their own life, they were, they were standing up and saying, I will not denounce Christ and I will not quit gathering together as the manner of some is. They were continuing to come together. Hallelujah. And so Paul writes this letter. In fact, listen to what happened in, in Thessalonica. It says, but other Jews were jealous when Paul preached. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob. So the Jews were jealous that Paul had success. And to embarrass Paul's work and stop his work, what did they do? They found some bad characters. And they started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the believers before the city officials. They shouted, these men are causing trouble all over the world. And now they're here. And Jason welcomed them into his house. They're all defying your decree, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. 
When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others post bond, and then they let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Do you understand that this is a new church in the middle of a city about the size of Evansville? So what do you think is going to happen if we tried to start a new church in a small city the size of Thessalonica? The enemy's methods don't change. They don't change. The enemy is going to try to thwart anything that has to do with the preaching of the gospel, which is exactly what he did with Paul. So he goes on. In fact, Paul has, I wrote down six things that Paul's trying to do with this letter. He's trying to encourage new believers. How many know if you're a new believer in the Lord and you just received Christ, how many think it's important for somebody to pour courage into you? So Paul is like sick because he can't go back to them. He's sending Timothy to find out how they are. And then he finds out how they are in chapter 3 and says, man, I'm so happy you're doing well. The second thing is, in chapter 2, we're going to get in that next week, Paul has to answer false charges made about him. Man, we think, we think the apostle Paul, man, he never had to defend himself. But how many know the enemy doesn't change his playbook? The enemy is making false charges against every leader in the church. And so Paul has to answer these charges. Why? Because he has to have a good name to do the work. And his new good name has been affected. The second or the third thing is he has to explain what happens when a person dies in Christ. They didn't know. They knew that Jesus Christ was going to come and save them from the wrath of the tribulation. But some of them have died um, now and they're wondering what's going to happen to them. And so they didn't know that the dead in Christ will rise first and then that we'll be raptured right immediately after them. And so Paul is making sure they know, hey, if they've died in Christ, you know, they're absent from the body, present with Christ, and their body is actually going to be united with their soul, which is with Christ. And so Paul wants to explain that to them in chapter 3. I'm sorry. That's a little later. Uh, Then he wanted to warn them about their pagan lifestyle. How many know when you just have written a book called Galatians, and you're trying to explain that we no longer live under the law, how many know you have to stress in every one of your letters, well, here's how we live now. We don't live like we did when we were pagans, so Paul is stressing that. Then he goes on a little later, and in chapter 5, he has to remind the church members to honor and follow their spiritual leaders. In chapter 5, now why do you think Paul had to do that? Because the game plan of the enemy is laid out here in Thessalonians. Church, just know this. When we try to do a work here in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, here and in Henderson, right? And it's not just us. It's the whole church in Evansville. When I get together with pastors every week, they're battered right now. They're loving God. They're full of joy. They're 
happy, they're excited for what they're doing, but they're all telling me the same thing. They're all going through adversity and being attacked. And how many know it's important? How many know if you had an army and that army is ready for battle, how many know that you have to all be working as one unit or you can't accomplish anything for Christ? So what do you think the enemy was trying to do in Thessalonica? He was trying to separate and, and not have unity in that body. So Paul addresses that. And then there was another group he was, uh, he was, um, talking to. There was a group of people that were so convinced that Christ was going to return that they quit their jobs. And so Paul literally had to tell them, tell them to quit being idle and not working. They have to earn their own food and have a job. And they said, well, no, Paul, they just want to preach the gospel all the time. He says, no, that's not how I did it, and that's not how they should do it. So Paul had to address that. So Paul goes in here, and one of the first things he says is, I am remembering before God your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. In verse 3. Paul mentions a certain kind of faith here. He says, your faith, your, in fact, how does he say it? He says, your work of faith. How many know there is a real kind of faith and there's a fake kind of faith? And how many know when it's real faith, it produces work? It produces works. How many know that when you really, truly serve Christ, it produces change in somebody? And so Paul is making a point to stress that you didn't just have faith and believe what I said, but you went on forward and began to live it out in your life. And then he said, you began to do works. And he said, the works that you did were inspired by a certain thing. Remember, he loves this church. He constantly compliments them. He says, you begin to labor because of your love. I mean, know that's very important. You know that a lot of the things we do in church aren't motivated by love? A lot of things we do in church is motivated by who's looking at me? Or what will they think about me? Or selfish ambitions. How many know that? But Paul was complimenting them. In fact, not only complimenting them to the Corinthians, he said that they are um, an example to everybody, the saints that are in Macedonia, because they were constantly sacrificially giving to everybody. In fact, in a verse next, he says that, uh, he says, in fact, Not only, he said, you've become such an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone everywhere, so I don't need to say anything about that. And man, we just gloss over that when we read it, don't we? But again, pretend like this is our letter. Pretend like this is Paul, and this is the whole purpose of the message. We want to be that church. This is what we're aspiring as individuals to be and as a church. And Paul says, man, 
He says it sounded forth or it was resounding or it was amplified. He said, the message I gave you, the gospel that I preached, not only are you living it out in your proof by your life, and not only do it by, motivated by love and in the hope of Christ's coming, he said, but it's resounding, it's being amplified, it's going all over the place about you. And everything in me says, that's what I want to be, Lord. I want everything that I do, everything that our church do, I want it to resound I want it to be heard. I want, I want, it means that, um, in Macedonia and Achaia, that means regions well beyond where they're at. Everybody knows about them. Why? Because their kindness, their love, their work, their motivation, everything about them, people heard about it. Why? Because every day they're praying for everybody. Every day they're calling out names. Every day they're praying and continually praying for each person in the church. Every day they're motivated by love. And everybody around is saying, they're saying, man, we've heard about you in Mount Vernon. We've heard about you in Vincennes. We've heard about you all the way up to Tell City. We've heard about you guys because people that are part of that church, people that know the Lord and that church in Evansville... And I'm not just talking about us. How many know everything the church does in this city reflects on us? In fact, if a pastor on the other side of town has an affair, it affects us. If you go to McDonald's and you get mad at the manager and throw your cheeseburger at him, and I didn't just make that up, I know somebody who did that. Shame on you. That reflects on us. In fact, you know, the New Testament hasn't been written yet. The Gospels haven't been written yet. Paul is saying, you are imitating me in the next couple of verses, and I am imitating Christ. And church, can I tell you something? Paul's trying to say if we're going to be the church that he loved in Thessalonica, we've got to be a written epistle, written Bible for people to read because, again, they didn't have the New Testament yet. The Thessalonians were the Bible that people were reading, and your family is going to read one Bible. They're going to watch your life. The people that are at the grocery store are going to read your life. They're going to, he said, you're going to know, you're going to know about the church by their love for one another. And you say, well, I can be mean to some of them because they're, you know, this or they're that. And, and you say, well, man, Chad, why are you being so hard on us? I'm not being hard on you. I'm just preaching um, expositionally through First Thessalonians chapter 1. And this letter is written to me too. It's written to me, it's written to you, it's written to all of us from the Apostle Paul, who's a representative of Christ, and he's saying, man, watch yourself. Let's be the kind of light that Jesus said that will shine and people will see. And I want to tell you, the reason I called this the return mail is because there's one topic that Paul is stressing more than anything in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and that is the return of Christ. And this is where he ends here. The very last part, he says, For they themselves report report concerning the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned from idols to serve the living and true God, 
and you wait for his son in he- from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Boy, that is a big deal. He delivers us from the wrath to come. You know, this is the theme of Paul's letter. You know, they didn't have verses, they didn't have chapters when he wrote Thessalonians. And they actually broke it up into chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. And the reason they broke it up the way they did is because the end of one ten, he says, we're waiting for Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. How many know that they've seen him go into the clouds, you know, about seven or 14 years earlier? And he said, I'm coming back the same way I left to come get you and take you where I'm at. Only 14 years before Jesus said that. And so he says, Jesus is going to come rescue us. Like he said, he's going to come back out of the clouds. He's going to bring us to where he's at. And he said, he's going to deliver us from the wrath to come. At the end of chapter two, he says, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown, um, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord when he comes? Is it not you? Paul's saying, I'm telling you these things. I'm being so hard. I'm being so hard on a Sunday morning because it says, what is my thing that I'm looking forward to? I can present you before him when he comes to get us. Talking about the return again. Chapter 3, the very end, it says, may he strengthen your heart that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. This is a different one. He's coming with his holy ones. Chapter 4. The end of chapter 4. This is how they broke the book up. Chapter 4, at the very end it says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet our Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage yourselves with these words. Chapter 5, the very end. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, make you holy through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. How many of you know 1 Thessalonians is return mail? And I only give you the title to help you remember 1 Thessalonians is all about the return of the Lord to protect us from the wrath that is coming in the tribulation. 2 Thessalonians is a different letter. Second Thessalonians is explaining the tribulation and what happens during the tribulation and after. But First Thessalonians is about the rapture of Christ and the coming of Christ. And it's to encourage you to be holy, to live right, to be an example to everybody around you, to be good Christian people who were just not too long ago pagans who were living riotously. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. And my worship team's going to make me nervous. There they are. There's one. We got one. All right. We got two. All right. Can I get a third? Can I get a third? Going once. Going once. There's a third. All right. Hallelujah. You turn the lights down for me, Ryan, right there. Thank you, somebody. Thank you. Perfect. I know it's awkward to have lights down, but I just want to make sure. Everybody search in their heart. If you'd close your eyes, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you for this word. Lord, this is your letter to this church.
Lord, that we would um, be obedient. Lord, this was a church that was heavily persecuted, but they stayed faithful, Lord. Faithful to you, faithful to the gospel, faithful to each other. And Lord, you blessed them. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would bless this church as we aspire to be like them, Lord, and to be obedient to this letter that Paul sent us, Lord, that we would um, be faithful, Lord, to come out of that lifestyle that you've called us out of. And you said, by the power of the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you produce fruit from real faith. Do it today, Lord. Church, I just want to open the altar. You can make your seat an altar. You can come up here and pray, but we're just going to worship God. And and I just want you to just be open with God. Things in your life you need to repent of, I want you to do that. If you need prayer, maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe you're away from the Lord. Get it right this morning. Hallelujah. I'm here to pray with you. Heavenly Father, right now we come before you, Lord, and I just ask that you would, um, right now, Holy Spirit, begin to convict hearts. Lord, that we would know that we're right with you, Lord, and that we know that we're living as we should in a world that is lost, in a world that your wrath is hanging over, Lord. You've made a way of escape, a rescue, Lord God, through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we run into that shelter today, Lord. There are those that are not in there, Lord. I pray that they would uh, be in Christ. They would run to you, Lord God. They would evaluate their life. Lord, they'd be a light shining every day of this week, Lord. Oh, that we would be known all around this area for our faith. That it would resound, it would boom, it would amplify. Just like Paul said, that it would be amplified all throughout the region, Lord God. Do a mighty work in this church. Your name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Just take a few minutes to worship. about it. This is where your family gathers around you and prays for you. And if you're not feeling well in your body, how many know we lay on our hands and believe in the power of God to heal and he says that he will. And 
so this is a house of prayer and so we can never be here just for a song and a message and uh, the altar is where we need to be if we have a need or we have a burden always feel comfortable to pray and have your family around you and so before we close Mike if you'd come up here and uh, this is one of those brothers that I love to thank God for and uh, and just uh, pray for God to bless him and I mean love brother Mike and uh, he has an MRI that's coming up this week hallelujah he has an MRI that's coming up this week so we want to pray for our brother so if you would come up here and join me we're going to pray over Mike and if anybody else has any needs just be a little less formal if we can all right we got a new church. We're afraid to mess it up. If you ever got something new and you're just afraid to mess it up, you know, it's, it's okay. We can be blessed for Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Let's gather around here. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, we, um, Lord, we trust you, Lord God. Lord, when you say to gather around and pray the prayer of faith and believe, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed, Lord. Lord, we believe it, Lord God. Oh, Father, right now we just pray that you pour your spirit upon Mike right now, that you bring healing uh, to his body, Lord God, to his mind, Lord. Oh, Father, that the peace, Lord God, that passes all thinking and all understanding, Lord, all doubt, all fear, let it be gone right now, Lord God. Let it flow in the peace that comes from God. You said it's not from this world, Lord God. It's from you that you give, Lord God, your peace. Let it flow on my brother right now, Lord God. I pray healing over his body. Holy Spirit, begin to begin to produce healing right now. Lord, let your virtue flow upon our brother, Lord, right now. Total and complete, Lord. Touch him. Hallelujah. Everybody said, so be it, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else need prayer this morning? perfect man I'm not perfect but my wife is trying to divorce me and I feel I don't know I'm, I'm split because if she leaves me it's okay but I don't want her to leave but yet I don't know what God's want me to do I don't know what so I'm just standing in faith in Jesus that he's gonna just do something he's the one I'm, I'm standing and trusting and I just want prayer that God would bring me revelation and knowledge and understanding in this situation and just to stand in Jesus Christ and just just to be in him strong hallelujah let's pray for our brother going through a possible divorce right now let me believe God can heal that hallelujah let's pray for our brother heavenly father right now Lord we thank you for Michael Lord, Lord we love our brother Father, I pray right now for he and his wife, Lord. Oh, Father, right now I pray that you would touch both of their hearts, Lord. Oh, Lord, that you would heal, Lord, that which has been broken, Lord. Lord, that which the enemy has tried to destroy, Lord God. I pray that you heal it, Lord. 
Oh, Father, you begin to touch this marriage, begin to put it back together, Lord. I begin to lead and guide in both of their lives, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray right now that your power would be upon this relationship, Lord God. Father, that your spirit would begin to move on their behalf, Lord God. Father, that healing would begin to flow, Lord. Father, that your peace would come upon them, Lord God, your wisdom, your understanding of one another, Lord. Father, that you would just begin to move in this situation, Lord God. Father, raise up a testimony. Father, a testimony of what the enemy meant for bad. Turn it around for Michael's good, Lord. Do a mighty work in Michael's life right now, in his marriage and his life, Lord. Your hand is upon him, Lord. Lord, I thank you for Michael, Lord God. And bless him, Lord God. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Everybody said. Amen, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Anybody else need prayer before we close? attentive, Lord God. Oh, Father, we are the called out ones here, Lord God. And you asked us, you said, um, those who are sick among you, Lord God. Lord, those who have things, Lord God, you said, bring it to you, Lord God. The laying hands of the elders, Lord God, pray the prayer of faith and it will be healed, Lord Father. We pray healing over this neck right now, Lord God, by your word, Lord God. Father, by your stripes, Lord Jesus, by your stripes, Lord Jesus, you said we were healed, Lord. We stand on your promises, Lord. We speak it, Lord God, over her body, Lord. We pray healing, Lord. We pray peace, Lord God. Oh, Father, every doubt, every fear, Lord God, that the enemy would put there, we, Lord, we speak over that. We speak blessings, Lord God. We speak uh, promises, Lord God. Father, we speak the sure word of healing. We speak over her life right now, Lord God, healing. Bless her, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for Lisa, Lord. Oh, Lord God, we're so thankful for Lisa, Lord. Everything she means to this body, Lord. We pray blessings upon everything she does. Our household, Lord God children, Lord. Oh, Father, her whole family, Lord God, land in this morning. Blessings upon him, Lord. Touch him, Lord God. Keep your hand upon him. Bless him, Lord. Hallelujah. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Everybody said, Anybody else need prayer? Let me know this is what we're here for. Hallelujah. No rushing. That's what we're here for. Hallelujah. Anybody else need prayer? Betty wants to pray for her family this morning. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, you know. Oh, you said before we even ask, you already know, Lord. Lord, right now we speak, Lord God, every one of those family members that's in her heart right now, Lord, 
we speak it before your throne, Lord God, the power of prayer. There's nothing like it, Lord God. There's nothing that rivals the power of prayer. It's not what we do when all is left, Lord. It's what we do to begin with, Lord. Lord, we pray and we speak over her family, Lord. Every member of her family, Lord, every child, every grandchild, Lord God. Father, her entire family right now, we pray your grace upon them, Lord God, your peace upon them, Lord, your protection upon them. Father, right now, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would begin to move on each family member right now, Lord. Do a mighty work, Lord. We thank you for Betty, Lord. We thank you for this praying mom, Lord God, for faithfulness, Lord. We pray your blessing, Lord, on her life, Lord. We're so thankful for her, Lord. Bless her, Lord, today. Your mighty work, Lord. Oh, we ask all these things, and we thank you, Lord. And we pray, everybody. Amen, Lord. Now, let's pray for Lord's family. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now. Father, you know the cries of the heart, Lord. Lord, you know the cries of the mother or grandmother, Lord God. Oh, Father, we can't take it upon ourselves. The burden is too heavy, Lord. And you said your burden is light, Lord God. Father, right now, we call out this family, Lord, this Mormon family and extended family, Lord. Father, everybody this family touches, Lord. Father, touch every family member. Begin to move upon everybody in the family. Lord, do a mighty work, Lord. We pray that your grace, your power, Lord God. Father, your deep conviction over those who are running, Lord. Father, do a mighty, mighty work in this family, Lord. We thank you for all the work you have done, Lord. Father, we thank you for Laura's faithfulness. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for her. Lord, your blessings upon her, Lord God. Hear her prayers answer mightily, Lord. Do a great work in Laura's family, Lord. Oh, we lay it at your feet this morning, Lord. The mighty work in Lee, Lord. The mighty work in Lee's life, Lord. Thank you for Lee, Lord. Bless him this morning. Bless the Lord this morning. In your name we pray. Hallelujah. And everybody said, Amen. So be it, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anybody else need prayer this morning? Hallelujah. I have uh, chronic health issues that just keep flaring up, and uh, I'd like to ask you for Heavenly Father, right now, Father, we pray against these uh, attacks on his body, Lord. Father, these sicknesses that flare up, Lord. Father, right now, we uh, claim that promise that is for every believer in you, Lord. And that is by your stripes we are healed, Lord. Father, I pray uh, for healing in his body. I pray for relief, Lord God, in his body. I pray for wholeness right now. I pray against the enemy that would get him down, Lord, would bring doubts and fears, Lord God and pain. Father, right now we just lay it before your feet because you are able. And Lord, you asked us to do it, Lord. Father, we pray for your spirit to come mightily upon Jason. Lord, we expect to hear testimonies, Lord God, from Jason's mouth, Lord. Father, of your mighty work, your mighty healing, your mighty power in his life, Lord. 
Father, we pray your blessings upon him. Lord, we thank you so much for Jason and everything he does, what he means to our body. And I pray blessings upon his household, he and Tracy. Oh, blessings upon him, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing us. In your name we say, so be it, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, anybody else prayer this morning? Well, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And uh, just a correction, if you took notes this morning, I've got a weird little, like mine when it comes to my memory. I remember most everything that I teach. Um, the book of um, 1 Thessalonians was written around 50, 51. I think I've got my dates crossed up. Galatians is 47. Uh, place you're taking notes, Thessalonians is 51. Uh, I'll explain next week why that's the case, but it's written around 51 if you're taking notes. I looked at my clock this morning, and I was out of town yesterday, so my clock says 146, and I thought, boy, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble, but it's 1246, so not so bad, right? Hallelujah. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for all those who are called out. As believers, Lord, they love you. Father, we're all trying to do our best through the power of the Holy Spirit to live for you every day, Lord. Empower us. Empower us, Lord God, to be resounding in our walk. Everything we say, everything we do, Lord, let everybody around know that we uh, we live to bring glory to you, Lord, this church. And uh, do a mighty work in us and our church, our relationships in this church. And uh, Lord, just help us live out your word and be obedient, Lord. And uh, bless these people as they go, Lord God, this church, these beautiful people. We thank you for them. Bless them in your name we pray. And everybody said, 